Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jot Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe in the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chasing. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome to episode 45 of Jock Talk, friends. I hope you are prepared to be entertained and dazzled for the next hour or so as me and Big Joe and the Big Rig break down all things Cowboys and a few things that, uh, you know, we'll fill you in in a little bit. Now, I got to tell y'all, you know, I bring the truth to you, real truth. Your boy is worn out. Had a uh, 3.30 wake-up call today, meaning my alarm, that's when it went off at 3.30. Four o'clock Uber in Buffalo, where the snow was was uh, starting to pile up for a uh, white Christmas. Flight to Charlotte, then a flight to Dallas. And I, I took a nap before the show, and I snored so loud I woke myself up, though. Have you done that before? All the time. All the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, leg- I'm a legendary snorer. <laughs> Uh, I'm not, and so I woke myself up, and I, I startled myself. I was like, "Oh snap! What is this?" So I'm, a, I got my zip fizz here. Uh, I've been drinking water, making sure I'm uh, active, and so I'm gonna give it to you. And then once this shows, I'm gonna pass out again. Uh, hey, Christmas is a week away, less than a week away, a week away. Uh, you still got time to pick up Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, and to make it a man. Um, if you want me a, how about this? If you want a signed copy of it, you still got time to get it by Christmas. If you hit me up, uh, you can uh, send me an email to uh, Jacques at jjtmediagroup.com. Uh, if you want a signed copy, and we'll, uh, I'll get it to you. Uh, it's uh, $25 plus shipping and handling. Makes a great stocking stuffer and a Christmas gift. How about that? Follow me on Twitter, jjtjournalist. Remember, my Twitter account got deleted. It's a long, sordid story that I'm going to tell you all about one day soon. But if you think you follow me, you don't. So follow me at JJT Journalist. I am Jean-Jacques Taylor. Um, it's the Christmas season. A lot of people out on the streets. A lot of people out and about. And so I'm telling y'all, and you're in trouble if you ain't punched the number in your phone yet. You know what I'm talking about, too. If you're involved in an accident and it's not your fault, and you're not at the crib, you're out and about, you're in the streets, a business, an apartment complex, anything where you're not at home and you're involved in an accident, you need to pick up the phone and call 972-934-8900. Put it in your phone so it's there when you need it. You ain't got to look for it. It's there. Then, that's a call to the green team, greening law. You tell them your situation. They'll ask you a few questions. Here's the details. And I'm telling you, if they bring you on as a client, it's been your lucky day. Uh, This thing where you fighting somebody else's insurance company, man, that thing can be long, tedious, drawn out. Everybody got their dukes up. You need somebody to ride with you. Greening Law will ride with you. They're like a flashlight in the dark, man. Uh, And check this out. They don't get paid nothing, 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 unless you get paid. So you don't have to sit around and wonder where you fit on the priority list. Are you one of their top clients? Are you at the no? Everybody on the same priority list because they don't collect anything unless you do. 
So understand 972-934-8900 is the number they want you they take care of everything why they want you focused on two things rest and renewal get your mind right get your body right get your life back that's what they focused on at greeting law 972-934-8900 now y'all know i sat through that debacle in buffalo and it was a debacle todd but i was out in the rain todd archer was in the press box Let's give him a call and talk to Todd Archer, brought to you each and every Wednesday by Smokey John's Barbecue, and see what he's got to say. What's up? What up, bro? How's it going? I'm tired as hell. How'd you enjoy your trip to Buffalo? <laughs> uh, it was fine, <laughs> I guess. Not uneventful. Uh, uh... The the flight back from from Buffalo to the LaGuardia. I connected in LaGuardia. Man, uh, it was the bumpiest flight I have been on in my entire life. Is that right? Yes. Like just I moving like a boat in the ocean. Plane, I sweated more on that plane ride than than I would on a Peloton workout. Wow. Hey. Did you call? Did you call on him? Huh? Did you call on him? Jesus. What? Did you call him? No, <laughs> I just I, I kept saying to myself, I, I pretended like I was asleep and kept my eyes closed. And it's not like a fear of crashing or anything like that. I just have a bad stomach. But uh, I just kept saying to myself, land the GD plane, land the GD plane, just land the GD plane. That's the opposite of calling on Jesus. That right. is the opposite of calling on him. Uh, well, if it make you feel any better, I almost got naked on the plane this morning. No, I was. Uh, no. no, that does not make me no, feel better. Me neither. I ain't. I, no. no, So I, I, I thought it was just me. So I, we got on the plane, and today I put a picture on Twitter. Today it snowed, and so when I got up to go to the airport, it's snowing, and so no problem. Uh, it's Buffalo; they can handle snow. So we get to the airport. We're on a plane. They got to de-ice it. Well, dude, they about it's, they, it's I don't know. They they're de-icing it, and for some reason, I started feeling nauseous. And then I started sweating. And I'm going to tell you, this is a very quick aside. It reminded me of 2011. The, the Mavericks were playing Portland in the uh, playoffs. And I was, it had been a long day. And I was coming back to Dallas. And I fainted on the plane. And, uh, I didn't know about yeah. that story. Uh, no, nah, man. I was, I was feeling extremely sick. And so I said, maybe if I get some water. And so I was walking back to the back of the plane to ask the flight attendant for some water. And man, them things got dizzy, and next thing I know, I was flat on the ground. Uh, fell all into somebody's seat. <laughs> fell yes. all on the ground. Uh, and then they got me up and uh, sat me in the back and drank some orange juice and stuff. Uh, so anyway, it reminded me of that feeling. I was like, what is this? And I started sweating profusely so much that I had to make a business decision. I was like, I ain't got nothing on but a, uh, a black uh, a t-shirt which is most of y'all refer to it as a wife beater but it's got these thick straps on it and I was like I don't want to take my sweatshirt off but I think I'm going to pass out if I don't so I took my sweatshirt off man and I'm still just sweating and dripping I was thinking I hope I don't faint on this flight uh, but I cooled off a little bit now I did put the sweatshirt on top of me because I didn't want the lady next to me to think I was about to go crazy uh, but it got a little better. So we get off the, at the connection. I asked uh, my dude, I said, hey, was the flight hot to you? He said, extremely. 
I said, okay, so it wasn't just me, but uh, I was sick as a dog on that flight. But the uh, second one was much better. So now that we got our flight adventures out of the way, yep. you never you, know what you're you go. gonna get. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, Joe you, can, you can trim these stories out. We don't need these things on the podcast. Yeah. Well. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, if only you knew what that entailed. <laughs> Uh, what do you think about before we get into uh, Jerry Jones today and uh, what is an even bigger game against Miami? What was your takeaway from that uh, debacle in Buffalo? Um, that's a blueprint on how to beat the Dallas Cowboys, and we've been waiting for it uh, for a good portion of the year, where a team runs the ball on them consistently and 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 uses their their size against them. And then on the other side of the ball, play too high shell, keep everything in front of you, and make them go the long way. They've been pretty good at going the long way all year. They probably have the like most twelve play drives or ten play drives, whatever it is. But and right. that one, they couldn't do anything. So that was the the blueprint in my mind of how you beat the Cowboys. Okay, now who else can? I mean, Miami's running game gives them a chance to replicate it. I guess the question Detroit's is how running you- game. Detroit's uh, got a top five running game. Why? We know San Fran can run the ball. You know Philadelphia can can run the ball. So yeah, it's not. I mean, there's a lot of teams that can. And, and those games, theoretically, not the Detroit game, although I guess theoretically a playoff game would be on the road. So the question is, how do they fix that? Because when you're playing with three safeties, you know you're kind of vulnerable to that. So how do they fix it? Don't play three safeties. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean they've been playing. Play Micah much. more at linebacker. I mean you have qual- you have quality defensive linemen that can sub- that can aren't Micah obviously, but right. it's not like they're just slugs either. They're like they're solid players. Where that your linebacker spot, Marquis Pell's done a great job. He's been fine this year. He's two hundred and five pounds. Damone Clark is a second year player that he's been okay, but 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 he's kind of gotten figured out here a little bit in the stuff that he can do. Maybe you throw Rashawn Evans on there more with his linebacking experience and being a pure, you know, pure linebacker compared to, to Marquise Bell. I don't know, but um, I'll go back to play better up front. And I, and I'm not putting all this on Mozzie Smith by any stretch, but it's time for them to tell the truth a little bit about what he is and what he's been. He's been a disappointment. It's okay to say that. Like, I guess it's okay for us to say that. Um, and, and you're not saying he's a bust by any stretch of the imagination, but they need more from him. Well, like the... when Dan Quinn's Dan, – I'm sorry. Dan Quinn's asked about him yesterday about how Mozzie played and the missing Hankins. His first two guys he mentioned were, Dorrance, uh, were Demarcus Lawrence and, and uh, Donovan Wilson. And then he went into a Carl uh, Davis deal. And then he finally mentioned Mozzie. Kind of telling in how you answer the question, no? Or maybe nope. I'm reading too much into it. No, I think it's. Uh, I think it's right. I mean, they certainly attacked the edge a lot too. Right. But I think they, the they uh, did whatever they wanted. Yeah. But you signed him specifically and passed up on some other guys, specifically signing him to help you uh, help you run defense because you felt that that was a big weakness in stopping you from going to the uh, to the next level in the playoffs and being an elite team, and his right. contribution. Has been just eh, meh, mid, whatever phrase we want to use. Right, and and some of that is a product of not 
needing him to be anything great and super either because of how they've been getting leads on teams where the run defense hasn't been tested the way it was tested against Buffalo, right? I mean, right. Uh, well, the, then, the yards per carry is still pretty good against the Cowboys this year, but the carries haven't much mattered because they're winning every game by 30 points. Yeah, I mean, but we've been saying week after week, like, the run defense still looks kind of shady, but they jump up on you and they force you into this track meet and you you kind of have to get away from it. Well, their offense didn't show up this week, and so they they couldn't get you out away from the running game, and, and then it, it showed their weakness. So, you know, I guess you can fix it defensively, but you can also fix it offensively by getting back to doing what you do best uh, against, uh, you know, Miami and Detroit and Washington in these last three games. And for this Miami game, right, it's where is um, Mike McDaniel from? He comes from the Shanahan tree. Who right. the Cowboys struggled against the last couple of years? San Francisco. Now, honestly, and maybe I'm gonna make a fool of myself here. They've actually nah. done a pretty good job against McCaffrey, right? You know, in, in some of these games, like I don't, let me look at this real quick. McCaffrey against the Cowboys this year. What did he do? He, he was 19 for 51. Okay, right. you'll li- live with that. Even in the playoff games, like I don't think last year, I don't think he tore him up all that much either. So, uh, like, I don't know if Mostert and, and HN and all these guys are going to run all over the place on him, but I think with the, the there's a different challenge with – and maybe – and Miami's offensive line is not Buffalo's offensive line, which had everybody, I think, play – their five have been together all year. Miami's right. working on whatever different combination there is for them this season, so that, that'll be different. But Miami's challenge is obviously their, their speed is just – off the chain like it's different than everybody else like you watch Tyree Kill run he looks faster than everybody else you it's like when Michael Vick was at Virginia Tech you're like yeah who is this guy like it's the same kind of thing in my mind when I watch watch him play Nah, he's uh I'm looking forward to watching him play I mean he's been amazing uh he's a game changer somebody said this recently they said this is kind of like what it was to watch Bob Hayes with Cowboys you know when he was getting just an unbelievable speed you know what, man? I mean, that was unnecessary. I'm, I'm not that old. I'm old, closer to sixty than fifty, but I'm not that old. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that would have been. I, I mean, you're at I the think. Ice bowl. I'm sorry. He's still going, dog. He's still taking shots. Nope. <laughs> Told you, man. I got my dukes up, but these body blows just keep coming yeah. right up under my guard. That's what I love about Arch. He's always treated me like this. That's part of his charm. It's because uh, it's low key. Uh, Low key attacks. That's that's right. you know, it's unlike Clarence, who's over the top. This is low key on you. This is very subtle, but it still hurts and still bruised up when it's all over. Um, what do you think uh, before we head into Jerry Jones? Just off the top, how do teams cover him? Is it too deep? Is it rotating coverages his way? Uh, what do they do? Uh, you better have some safety over the top, right? I mean, it, you know, be as physical as you can. You can't give him free releases in my mind because. It, once he gets going, you're not going to stop him. Um, right. And the best way to defend him, I mean, not to go all coach cop out here, get after Tua. No, you're right. You're right. That's the best way. So, And some of that is going to depend on the score of the game and the circumstances and stuff like that. So that you're going to need the offense to either, A, get those 10-play drives, but score touchdowns off of them. So you're putting pressure back on Miami <laughs> to have to score touchdowns and, and, and match you. And look, what, the last time they placed 
they played Vic Fangio defense, and when he was in Denver, didn't go all that well for the. For no, the I was going to ask you that about that, uh, but I didn't want to go too far down Miami. But since you opened up the opened up the door, we'll walk through it. Last time they played Vic Fangio, he put together the blueprint on how to stop Dak. Um, what do you think uh, they've learned from that? Well, it's kind of the same blueprint that's troubled Dak his entire career. It's the split safety look and making him go the long way and, and changing stuff up, you know, and, and, and rotating stuff. So, I mean, I don't know what Dak's record is, but let's say he's 25 games over 500. It's probably better than that even, right? Maybe. Yeah. I don't even I don't even know. See, hold on. I need to look this up. I'm, stop, I'm stopping down the show. That's all um, good, man. I was going to look it up for you. Yeah, I can't find it. Anyway, whatever it is. 71 and 40 as a starter. Okay, so he's he's 31 games over 500. Yes. So it's not like maybe if it was a blueprint, it would work every time. So clearly, <laughs> I'm assuming other teams try and play that way against the Cowboys, and it doesn't work. So they, right. they've had answers. They just, they, they just need to have answers right away. And, you know, it's funny. I was looking something up because I was – seeing what C.D. Lamb could do against these guys. Some big-time receivers have lit these guys up, even when Jalen Ramsey's been back. So, you know, that that tells me that that C.D. can make some plays in this game. And, look, it's not going to be cold. Not that it was that cold. And it's not going to be rainy. Not that it was that rainy. Um there seemed to be a lot of excuse making about the weather and nah, from Jerry, um, but it wasn't that bad. And I'll take your word for it. So you were in the stands. So I think CD can have a good game against these guys, move them around. And uh, my bold prediction is CD sets the team record for catches in the season uh, by surpassing Michael Irvin's one eleven by getting to one twelve in this one. I like that. Um, just so y'all know, I was in the stands watching the game. Uh, with my dude, my uh, dad, my stepmother, and the weather was not bad, relatively speaking, for what you thought it could be and what it might be. Uh, and it was it was good for the, probably the first quarter, quarter and a half, and it didn't get what may have been bad until the game had, was already decided at that point. So to me, it was a lot of wind or some good wind, but what you could get in Buffalo, man, come on, that was a balmy day. Well, right, so, and Mike McCarthy said well, they caught a break with the weather, so you can't use the weather as an excuse. Nah, nah. So. Uh, Jerry Jones, how's he feeling about your boy Mike McCarthy these days? Uh, I don't want to say he's ready to give him a contract extension because I think things could change here. They <laughs> bow out in the playoffs uh, early or maybe earlier than, than Jerry believes. But uh, he, he said the strength of the – on 105.3 of the fan, he said the strength of the team this year has been the coaching staff. That has to mean McCarthy is the play caller, and he said – you know he's upped. Um, he's upped the view of himself by what he's been doing as the head coach and play caller this year. Um, he signed through. He's got another year left on his deal. We've seen Jerry ride Jason Garrett's contract to the end before extending him. Little different scenarios because McCarthy's taken these guys to the playoffs three straight years. Um, so I'd imagine. You know I don't even want to go there. Because I don't want to predict Jerry Jones. Because if they lose in the playoffs, what's everybody going to say? You're supposed, you were hired here to do what Jason Garrett couldn't do, and you've had three straight opportunities, and you've not gotten it done. Yeah, so but that's everything's that's such on, the, a, on the table. Yeah, I'm uh, you know I'm always interested in, in how it gets done because you, 
to me, you can never just have, you know, just black and white answers. Like, well, you didn't get it done, so there you go. Uh, it's all to me about how you play and how you perform. Yes, you, you want to get there. If you lose 38-35 in a thriller that's decided at the buzzer, you don't fire somebody, I don't think. If you lose 34-12, to 12, you go to the same team, San Francisco, you go, okay, you had three cracks there. We got to get by them to win it, so maybe then you, you decide. So we played them four what times. What if you lose to New Orleans in the wild card round? Or Atlanta yes. or whoever the heck else, Tampa. Uh, that, that, would, that might get you popped. Well, who are you uh, going to get, though? Who would be the big hire that would come in here? Everybody else is, is taken pretty much. I think Dan Quinn would be the next head coach of this team. There you team. go. All right. I don't know what that would prove, honestly, or change. But I was going to say, because be uh, you know, we, me and Clarence had this conversation about that because if you don't get where you're going and you don't get where you want to go, it seems to me that Dan Quinn is probably part of that problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he's on the staff. Uh, yes, and I, but can't you also look at it and say, okay, in the playoff losses to San Francisco the last two years, they've given up 23 and 19 points. So you really blame the defense in those ones? Uh, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying. So, right. um, I, I, I'm I'm not trying to endorse a, a a coaching change and b that it should be Dan Quinn. But I'm just trying to think of how Jerry might look at it from his perspective. And let's remember, this is two straight years that Dan Quinn has passed on opportunities to go somewhere else. Right. So and that, and that San Diego job is looming out there. Uh, no, right. so that, that's uh, no, that's cool. I like that. Uh, what else did Jerry Jones reveal today? Um, what else did he reveal today? It's of interest. Now you got he'll talk. No, because he'll talk a lot and not say nothing. So you know. Um, hold on. Now you got me looking at my notes again. The stuff that he said. You're killing me. What's, uh, the, what's what? the movie line, man? Killing me, Smalls. <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah uh, you know. He said that. Actually, one thing he told the coaches in his um, meeting with them today was that. It's their fault that the reaction to the loss against Buffalo was this way because they raised the expectations from everybody. So he praised <laughs> the coaches, and and only the way Jerry can, he yes. praised the coaches for um, raising raising the level of expectation around here. Uh, the the Philly game I thought was pretty interesting. He goes, "It was marvelous. I watched every bit of it. I thought I thought I was about to doze, and then, then when they made those two exciting plays, I couldn't sleep till four in the morning." So. <laughs> Uh, and that opens up the uh, thing. What do we make of Philadelphia, man? Uh, I thought they were pretty good, even though they were winning by small margins. But maybe I was wrong. Maybe they're starting to fade. There's something going on there. And the quarterback after the game says there has to be more commitment. And then he asked what that is meant. And didn't he say, like, I don't have a dictionary in front of me? Like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. If you're saying it, you got to tell us you gotta, what you mean. You gotta, yeah. You know, I don't need to go to Webster's to figure it out. You should tell me what what you mean by that. Um, so that that was interesting. Their, their defense hasn't been great all year. Um, if we're being, if they're being right. honest, it's been fine. But yeah, right. like this is it's funny. Like margin of victory can be viewed two different ways. Like when the Cowboys are blowing everybody out, it's like of course we're going to blow out those teams. They all stink. And now margin of victory for for Philadelphia is. 
they're like plus 18 on the year, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, see, they're, they've been winning all these close games. I told you that they've not been that good of a game. Look at all these other teams. Like, well, wait a minute. Like, I, I just don't understand. They're not as good as we thought they were to no. go Denny Green. The quarterback's turning the ball over too much. The first interception, maybe his only interception. No, his first interception. Why even take that deep shot? What, like, why even throw that pass there? Like, you're moving the ball. You're you're going fine. You don't need. You're you're leading the game. You don't need to go for the kill shot. Just play it smart. And he's got. Was he? Does he lead? He doesn't lead the league in turnovers, but he's got certainly more than he's had this year than he's had all of last year. Uh, so that that's concerning, right? Yep. Um. And you know, look this. This is this was. Plus, are they going to get saved by their schedule with two games against the Giants and one against Arizona? So they're going to be fourteen and three, thirteen and whatever, thirteen and four. So then it's going to look all rosy. Um, yeah, like but I, I think. I, Go ahead. I, I can't. I well, if you're about to see that, I, I can't imagine the Giants beating them. And I'm not going to say Arizona has a chance either. No, I think. So. Uh... You know the, what it does for them is it makes them play. I think through the end of the regular season instead of getting uh, week seventeen off. But I think I think it's fair to say. And you know what do we say around here? Sports is fluid. What's true today may not be true a month from now or a day from now. Is uh, they got a lot? They got a lot of moving parts going on. They got the quarterback not playing well, which you talked about. They done fired the defensive coordinator. You know at the end of the, in the last month of the season. Uh, you got the players saying, hey, you know, we're going to scout ourselves because we don't trust the defense coordinator. He don't coach with any confidence. Um, and then you got, uh, you know, you got all this stuff with uh, A.J. Brown. <laughs> you know, like, you know, he's talking too much about stuff that ain't got nothing to do with nothing in terms of the fans are talking about buddy ball. Like, who cares, man? You've been in the league long enough to know. Especially in Philadelphia, fans are gonna do. When you lose, they're gonna say all kind of crazy things, and when they win, they're gonna ride with you. Which is why, as a player, you take fans for what they're worth. But the fact that he keeps on saying publicly about this, you know, they seem like they just got a lot of disjointed things going on, a lot of moving parts, and they don't seem like a cohesive unit. And to me, that just makes them that makes them the kind of team that loses in the first round of the playoffs. Well, and, that, and that's why, like, okay, they, they could be thirteen and four. <laughs> That doesn't mean they're fixing everything by playing the Giants no. in Arizona in the last three weeks. So, no. you know, it, it, they'll have that one home game playing the – help me out here – the eight eight seed, right? One gets a bye, so they'll play – or the seven seed. So right. – but, you know, that's going to be a marginally eight, a 500 team, an eight-win, eight nine-win team. So you better win that one. Like, I don't know – uh, anybody that's in that wild card chase at the end of the NFC, who, who are you looking at and saying, you know, that oh they can jump up and bite somebody like Buffalo can in the AFC? Like to me, right. if you had to say it right now, like Buffalo can go to the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, that that's that's why I don't think 13 and four necessarily pick it. Uh, mean everything's good with Philly, but it might just delay the. And I think we have to realize, put, take San Francisco out of the equation. Everybody's the same. Like, yeah, you know they 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 fell off because 
they had Samuel out and Trent Williams out and somebody else was missing that that three game losing streak. So that that every but everybody else is like everybody else falls into the anybody can beat anybody uh deal, right? And I'm not saying the Cowboys couldn't go to San Francisco and win. I just wouldn't pick them to win. Right. They they can. They're gonna have the if they have the opportunity. I just wouldn't now if the Cowboys go to Philadelphia in the second round of the playoffs, would anybody be surprised if they went up there and won? I, I don't know why you would be. No. I'd uh, I'd give them a great chance to win up there. I might even pick them up there because I think they they just play with a different kind of confidence and different kind of swagger uh, up there. So no, I, I get that. Uh, I get that. It's it's the last three weeks are going to be more interesting than we thought. And I think uh, do they play the Giants first at home or on the road? I believe it's first at home. I believe. All right. Yeah. See, I thought the Giants might have a chance to get them just because they were playing good for a stretch, then they reverted back to being the Giants. And so now I don't really think so. But uh, Philadelphia's so you're not got buying Tommy, Tommy Cutlet's shelf life here? You know what I found most interesting? Well, you know what they say. What did Goose Goslin always – well, at least he taught me. You know, it takes six weeks for them to figure out the book on you if you come out and have a lot of success. And uh, he's moving into that territory. Uh, plus, I mean, he's, I mean, he just gave him a big shot. Although I did read something the other day that said – he cussed out somebody on the Giants social media team and said, stop with all this over-the-top Italian stuff. I just want to play football because they asked him to give his top five soprano moments. And apparently that was, that was it for him. Uh, uh, speaking of that, were you a Sopranos guy? Yeah. Did you like the ending or not? Wow, this is taking a turn from the Cowboys podcast. Um, <laughs> we get into everything okay. right here. Yeah, you get it I, all. I, yeah. I, I was okay with the ending because it kind of left it open to deter, uh, your own deal as to what you thought uh, might have happened. And I think the tension at the end when Meadows trying to parallel park the car, I'm like, God damn, girl, just park the car. Like, what are you doing? Like, And it just kept building that tension up and everybody would walk in and, you know, all that stuff. Right. I, I kind of liked the ending. And, and I know a lot of people didn't. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I was okay with it. I thought the dude who was sitting at the counter and then who went into the bathroom, that was the hitman, and he just popped him on the way out of the bathroom. Right, and you left yourself, it left you to make your own decision. It could be yeah. whatever you wanted it to be. Right. But yeah, the dude had a members-only jacket on. Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, I was I was okay with it, and and right. I'll still watch it, uh, the show, uh, you know, when it, when it comes on or when stuff shows up uh-huh. on some reels or whatever. So, yeah. well, this is this popped up. A lot of drama up. here, Jacques. A lot of drama. <laughs> this Fulham, popped up. Fulham, Fulham is about. Fulham makes this penalty. They beat okay. Everton, and they did. Listen to that excitement. Fulham, what is that? Uh, moving to the semifinals of the Carabao Cup. Now, see the Carabao Cup. That what is that, man? In-season, it's an in-season, in-season, in-season tournament, tournament for the Premier League. And look, Arch is all excited about it. Um, and for for a club like Fulham that has no chance of winning the league, it gives them a chance to win something. Same bro. as the FA Cup. Yeah. Um, you know what? It, now, wake me up now. The Lakers finish. won the. Hey man, we we finna stop. Uh, I'm a, if we're we, talking we, about Sopranos, we're going to talk about Fulham beating because everybody. because me and Arch went to a Fulham game live we in did. London. Oh yeah, uh, and they okay. were uh, they, they yeah. weren't even in the Premier League then. They were no. in the Championship. Right. Man, I'm so uh, excited. We, we had some uh, shepherd's pie before the game. 
Okay. Yep. Uh, got the programs. Had a great time in a neighborhood the Brian stadium. McBride club. At, yeah. Was it Shepherd's Pie? What Shepherd's Pie? Had, you had Shepherd's Pie. I passed on that. I had something else, which I can't remember because I don't like that beef stewy kind of stuff. But uh, it was a great time. That's why I remember yeah. it fondly. Yep. Good stuff. That's, yeah. All right. See, this is your well-rounded podcast. You can't get this anywhere. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> talking about bad flights, and now we're talking about... Talking about the Carabao Cup. Yes. Yes. Um, but uh, but you're right about all of that. We appreciate you, man. I will uh, see right. you out there at the Star uh, tomorrow. All right, brother. Yep. Later. See you. <laughs> That's Tart Archer with an eclectic, engaging conversation brought to you by Smokey John's Barbecue each and every Wednesday. Dog, what you doing tomorrow, man? Or what you doing Thursday? I ain't going to lie to you. What you doing Thursday? Nothing. All right. No, I take it back. I got to go out to the okay. start Thursday. All good. I, I got to get you to What you doing Friday, man? Oh, I know what you got Friday. All right. Maybe I'll find you this weekend. What you doing this weekend, dog? <laughs> Y'all hear that silence? You should see that expression on this man's face. But I've been trying to get him to jam session bowl. I really have been. I've been trying to get him to bowl. Now, if he would meet me on this part of town, I could probably really make it happen. Would you meet me over here, man? Nothing but crickets. Hey, anybody there? I'm here. You I just, just crickets. Like you I just, said last time, I, just, I know, I just man. Let the wind blow by. <laughs> so that's all you're doing is blowing hot air. You know what I'm saying? It's all I'm good. I'm trying to make it happen, man. I'm, I'm 100% sure that that bowl is all you say. I'm also 100% sure that it won't ever hit my hand. No. It's all good, though. It's not going to be like that, man. I'm trying to work it out. Uh, But the jam session bowl, whenever he gets it, it's going to be a mac and cheese or a mashed potato base with two out of five smoked meats. The double brisket is what Big Joe and Big Ray has said is his preferred uh, taste. And then all that stuff you find on loaded baked potato, all of that stuff, you know, bacon bits and chives and onions and cheese, I guess onions and chives are the same thing. And butter. Uh, all of that, man. Sour cream. All of that goes on top. Then they drench it with sauce or they drizzle it with sauce. And it is fantastic. No, it really is. It's to live for. It's love in your mouth. It's outstanding, stupendous, delicious. All of those things wrapped into one. Uh, but it's great. And it's enough for two easy. If you got a little shorty, it's enough for three. If he's six or seven, you know, you can roll like that. Now. If you want um, Smokey John's barbecue sauce or the rub, which is great, here's a trick. Try to rub on some popcorn while you're watching the movie during this Christmas break for most folks. Just try it. Tell me what you think. Just try it. Tell me what you think. Uh, go to SmokeyJohns.com. Click on the marketplace. You get the rub or the sauce at the crib in just a couple days. Or if you need it more immediately, go to H-E-B in Frisco. Pick up the rub. Boom. Right there. You ain't got that. Boom. It's there. You can take it home. You good. Smokey John's Barbecue, 1820 West Mockingbird. Swing through there. Get the jam session bowl. Maybe you see me and Joe there one day. Or or if you get the jam session bowl, tag me. <laughs> I'm serious. Tag me let me know. I bet it's pretty good. Let me know you got one. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. Uh, the jam session bowl is to live for. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> 
What uh, let's move on to 20. I mean, 20 plays. We'd be here all day in in summer tomorrow. Let's move on, man, to uh, four plays to shape the game, dog. Yes, sir. (laughs) You okay? Yeah, bro. I'm having a good time, man. Now, this some of this might be what do you call it? That uh, sleepy humor. Yeah, it'll do that sometimes. When, when you know, like when you got kids and they start acting goofy because they're tired, yep. and, and you fuss at them at first, then you go, "Oh, he's just tired, sleepy." Yep. Yeah, he's sleepy. So uh, you know, disregard him for right now. I may be having some of that. I ain't afraid to tell y'all. You know why? Because we family. That's why. Um, we're family. That's why. Uh, so we, you know, we talk about this every week. Big John the Bigry really enjoys this this uh, this segment. It's uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. And uh, this game against Buffalo is is why it's one of my favorite things to uh, do because there's a lot of plays in here that could have gone one way or the other. And if they had, the outcome of this game might have been significantly different. But since they didn't go one way as opposed to the other, Cowboys ended up getting just dug up and dug, just beat, just beat down, just embarrassed. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's a little disconcerting to me that they got manhandled the way they did. Uh, but we know that they play with a certain style, and when you play the style they do, sometimes you can get run over and run down. But the reason we, we like four plays to shape the game is because in every game, there's four or five plays that if you hit one way, you win. They hit the other way, you lose. There's 122 plays in this week's game, and now we're about to chat about four of them that really played a big role in shaping Buffalo's 31-10 win over your Dallas Cowboys. <clears throat> and it starts early, man. Uh, I thought about doing this play, so I'm going to mention it, because, you know, third downs are crucial plays. And when you get down to a game, man, you really end up like every play is critical because it, it, it leads to the next play, which leads to the next play, which leads to the next play. But early on, Buffalo – I'm not in the stadium yet, but I'm hearing first down Buffalo because that's what they do when they get a first down at uh, at their stadium. And I heard that about three times. And uh, one of those times it was um, uh, Josh Allen was incomplete. It was third down from the buff from the Dallas six. And we all know it's a four point play field goal touchdown. Well, Demarcus Lawrence hits uh, Josh Allen in the chest Josh Allen gets a, a uh, Academy Award for acting. Yes, he did. I'm going to ask you something about that in two seconds. All right. And uh, the pass is incomplete, but it's roughing the passer. It's automatic first down. Ball moved to the three. Two plays later, they take a 7 nothing lead. Uh, somebody put together a flop of Josh Allen flops dog, and he, he oversells that thing to the point of just being a, a drama king, a queen. Uh, what do you think about that? I mean, we criticize LeBron for flopping. A lot of these Josh Allen is flopping, dude, for real. What's your take? Hey, man, if the ref going to call it. Then I'm going to do it? Then you're going to do it because if you if you study and tape, you know. Oh, and, that's and, a good and, point you're about to make. If you study and tape and you know he flopped, don't hit him. Don't, you know what? Don't touch him. You know, that's you, a good point. You know, the, 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 the call that he got on, the, the, the tank got uh, – it was it was light, man, but he pushed him, and Josh went down, and Josh was like, he got my face mask. He was doing all – he sold all of it. And it was never – he was never hit in the head, but, 
you know, you got to know that a guy flops. You got to know that a guy's going to do that. You got to know that when you hit Brady or if you touch Brady when Brady was playing or you touch anybody. You know who don't cry about that? Patrick, right. Ma- Patrick Mahomes don't. Right. You get a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, if you don't if you don't flop, you're not protecting yourself pretty much. That's what I think. All right. Well, actually, you make a really good point about it. You have to understand that's what he does, and so you just have to have the discipline that particular week not to touch him at all because that's what he's going to do. <clears throat> So Dallas is down 7 nothing, And this is the kind of game where, you know what, I could probably say this about most NFL games. If the home team comes out and scores right away, immediately you feel some kind of pressure because you're like, now the defense is going to come out amped. And if we don't answer it, we can find ourselves down 10 nothing or 14 nothing real quick. I mean, think about the Dallas Cowboys. That's what they do to people at the crib all the time. They come out, they put that pressure on you, and before you know it, you're like, we're on the verge of getting knocked out, and the game just started. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what happened with the Cowboys. They get the ball, and I'm like, I'm sitting up there like, y'all better do something with this thing. And, um, you know, it, it starts off pretty good. They, you know, Pilot has a, a decent run on first down. They get that penalty where uh, Dak scrambles for 13 yards on third down, which I thought at the time, this might be a big play because it's, it extends the drive. Uh, it'd been better if Zach Martin hadn't been protecting his quarterback and gotten an off, gotten a uh, a penalty for unnecessary roughness because then they'd have had an extra 15 yards on that play and it basically would have already been in midfield. But uh, they keep moving the ball, man, and um, they they end up with a uh, hold up a second. They 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 end up with a second and five. Uh, from the Buffalo 38. Tony Pollard rips them. I mean, he's running physically. Got a nice little hole. Rips a nine-yard run. They got a first down at 27. And then Joe says, hey, man, why don't you let me tell you what happened? Craig Rolstad, our referee today. Holding. Offense. Number 73. It's a 10-yard penalty. Replay. Second down. I mean, can you ever... Dude. It's a crushing penalty. Instead of first down to 27 of Buffalo, you're driving, hopefully for a touchdown. Um, that doesn't happen. And when that doesn't happen, dude, how many times have we said, and I ain't breaking no news here, but... When you have penalties or you have, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, negative plays, or, or really I'm talking about sacks, yep. they just wreck the drive, man. They're so hard to overcome. Uh, and we're talking about 10 plays. So instead of, uh, again, first and 10 at the 27, it's now second and 12 at the 45. Uh, you know, and basically three plays later they punt. From their own 44, and you've wasted that opportunity to get back in the game very quickly. And so I thought that was a big deal. I mean, it was early in the game, but uh, we've talked about this, man. The ca- I, don't, I don't really know what to do. I'm not really know what – when I say I don't know what to do, I don't know what Mike McCarthy does. Obviously, you emphasize it. You talk about it. These penalties, man, it's hard to win in the playoffs and hard to beat elite teams – 
when you got penalties. And they seem to have penalties at the most inopportune times quite a bit. Uh, and I don't know how you fix that. You, you got any thoughts on that? No, nah, it's just coaching points. Uh, Tyler is probably one of the best – one of the best guards in the league, but his hands right. – his, his scouting point, the scouting report on him coming out of Tulsa was that his hands get away from him sometimes. And what that means is when the defensive lineman beat you inside, everybody trying to fight to get inside. You see Tyler get a lot of his calls where his hands get, get outside the defensive lineman, and that guy kind of changed direction, and then the ref sees all of that. So it's really coaching points, the fine coaching points in the game. And that just come with time with a young player because Tyler been getting called for that stuff. Zach Martin hardly ever gets called for that. Right. That's what make him all pro because he holding too, but he's just good. <laughs> he's just good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, Buffalo uh, then takes over. They drive, uh, aided. Dude, did you get a replay of the missed block punt on uh, Sam Williams? Yeah, I did. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, for those of you who don't know, so so Buffalo's lined up to punt. Cowboys have stopped them. Uh, Sam Williams, it's it's called a one man punt block, but uh, uh, and so what it is is as the center as the deep snapper puts his head down, he he moves to the other side. He started off on the right. He moved to the left, mm-hmm. and you would think, well, don't the long snapper see that movement? But apparently he didn't. So he pops up out of his stance, looking left to block the dude who was right there. Sam Williams is not there. And if you looked at the play, exactly what Joe talked about last week when he said how you block the kick is exactly what happened. Because I saw – and so what happened is Sam Williams, he really didn't even have to jump, man. He should have just tackled the dude. You know what I mean? Well, there's a difference between jumping. I talked to somebody about this earlier. There's a difference between jumping and diving. Right. See, if you dive, you parallel and you take the ball off his foot and you go through him. When right. you jump, you putting your hands up. Those those punters are athletes too. Right. And he kicked it around him. And then, yeah. he, then he got hit. But man, Sam, I ain't mad at Sam because Sam is a hustler, man. Now, know, here's Sam, some, Sam is an outstanding special teams player. Here's the fallout from that play. Mike McCarthy jumped in your boy Bones Fast's ass on that, that play. Yeah. Said, you know, and it was interesting to me. He said, who told you to call that? Because I didn't tell you to call that. A one-man punt block in that situation. And and then he said, hey, you didn't tell me you were calling it. So not only did I not know it, but you didn't even give me a heads up like, hey, Mike, I got this block coming. You just were out there being a renegade special teams coach. Don't forget, I am the boss. Most of the time we'll ride with your decisions. But, hey, dog, let me know. Uh, that's, some, that's some that's some inside info right there. I saw him doing that. I thought he was saying, "How can you coach that fool to dive instead of jump?" But no. it was a whole different thing. Okay, it's a whole different conversation, okay, man. Okay, then there you um, go. You know, so your Cowboys are down fourteen to three, and now it's a critical time in the game. I mean, it's it's as uh, it's as critical as, as critical can be. Uh, actually, they're down fourteen nothing, and so they finally get another drive going. Uh, they're moving the ball smartly down the field. They get a nice little pass, a really nice pass uh, to CeeDee Lamb uh, for 16 yards. They're in position. It's second and one at the 11, and here's what happened. Here for Tony Pollard. Extra tight end here. Pollard again. Taken down for a loss. That's Taylor Rapp, and he's going to lose a few. Well, this is one of those off the ball. 
off the edge safety pressures you see that's good coaching man they they got they caught him in the right defense on the right play uh brought the safety in unblocked and uh you know Pollard had just ripped off a run for seven he had ripped off a run for nine yep you feeling good about it Rico Dottle, the play before, ripped the run for five. I mean, they moving the ball. They in a rhythm. Boom, 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 boom. And then Buffalo hit him with that safety coming off the edge, and it made it third and four. Now it's a passing down. Instead of first and, first and uh, you know, goal at the uh, inside the 10, he's looking at third and four. It's an incompletion to Jake Ferguson on third down. Ed Oliver tipped the ball. They got to settle for a field goal. And, yeah, you're on the board, but, dog. It's, you still feel like, well, damn, if Buffalo scored in his next drive, now we're down 21 to 3. 21 to 7, we still in there. 21 to 3, to me, the way the game was playing, that was going to be a wrap. <laughs> That's just how I felt. Um, yes, you can always come back, but I just thought it's going to be awfully difficult if they get up on you uh, 21 to 3. So, Buffalo leads 14 3. And this is when it got really interesting. It's uh, second and six from the Buffalo 40. If they can get a stop, touchdown, it's 14 to 10. Even another field goal, 14 to 6. We just one possession down. Uh, Cowboys get the ball to start the second half. So if you can get a stop here and get the ball back, somehow you, can, you might be able to go into halftime and be like, I don't know how we did it, dog, but we're in this game. Let's see if we can go win this thing. And so on uh, second and six from the Buffalo 40, Josh Allen does this. Bench in the Denver game after a fumble on the first play. He's coming back nicely. Here's Allen. And he hooks up with Stephon Diggs and makes a catch and now just dives down. But that'll be enough for a first down for Diggs, who's got his third catch here tonight. Cowboys have the ball, but he was down. Yeah, Buffalo's going to go fast here. That ball was close to being punched out. They're going to try to go quick before this thing could be reviewed or challenged. They get it away. Pressure on Allen. He's in trouble, and he is. So they blow the whistle, which is hard to do because you can never tackle Allen, but they do blow the play dead. Mozzie Smith will get the sack. First. Okay, I let it go a little longer so you get the bonus of what was going on. Appreciate you because – that was really a very interesting three-play sequence. That was the only drive, only play of the drive when they went no huddle. You know why? Yeah. Because they thought it was a fumble. Your boy got up going, let's go, let's go, let's go. Right. Diggs, and yeah. Diggs got up because he fumbled because, uh, what's your boy name, Marquise? Marquise Bell. Uh, Marquise Bell punched it loose. Cowboys pick it up. That's the turnover. That's, you know, I talked, I told y'all this. I talked to my dude all the time about when you're playing football, man, at certain points in the game, somebody got to go make a play for the momentum to change. Somebody. Hey, who's going to make the play right? Somebody got to make a play. That was the play right there. The mistake was Mike McCarthy didn't throw his challenge flag. Now, why didn't he throw his challenge flag? One, he didn't see the feed upstairs because the feed was slow. Uh, going to the guy who does the replay for them. Uh, so he didn't have any information. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah, but check this out, dog. In that situation, down 14-3, to three, Buffalo running to the line. So thumbs up. They, ain't, they, they, hustle, they moving like, let's hurry up and get this playoff. Down 14-3, to three, 
Buffalo moving around like that, the ball having come free, dog, you on the verge of being blown out. At that point, to me, you Mike McCarthy, blind faith, baby. I done threw the flag out there. Because the game might be lost anyway, but me holding on to this challenge flag, you know, we got a shot here. It may be one in a million, but as my dad said, as long as that one ain't you, it's all good. And this time, you want that one to be you. And so I thought he should have, at that moment of the game, no, it's not perfect. We ain't got a look yet. But something's funny because Buffalo's running around like something might have happened. Let me just throw this challenge flag and see what's up. He didn't. And then you got the sack on the next play. But the play after that, Javon Kirsch, J. Ron Kirsch gets one of the worst pass interference penalties you'll ever see. I mean, unnecessary roughness penalty. I mean, it was, it was just pathetic, man. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, they threw the ball to, to uh, Shakir. He can't. He doesn't catch it. J. Ron hits him. This guy is standing upright. J. Ron hits him in the back with his chest. His chest. Knocks him to the ground, and they call that man for unnecessary roughness. And instead of third 19, which they're not going to convert that, it's first intended to Dallas 47. Uh, they then drive for a touchdown that makes it 21-3. And you just like, I turned to my dude at that point and said, well, perhaps it's time for us to go get some popcorn and some hot chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to put your hands up or something if you're going to run through a guy like that. He, he, he just, it kind of, the ball was gone. It was kind of iffy call at best. It could have been a 50-50 call because the ball was pretty much gone. And he right. hit him, and, you know, like you say, the guy going to flop. But you kind of got to put your hands. It's a veteran move to put your hands out to your side. Right. You know, and, and say, hey, I'm, I'm easing up, I'm easing up. You know, and you might get a break that way. It's, it's worth a shot. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely worth a shot. Yeah. So your Dallas Cowboys are down 21-3 at halftime. They got one shot, dog. To me, they got one shot. You uh, start the third quarter with the ball. You go score a touchdown. You make it 21-10, and you say, we've regrouped. We done, we done reevaluated. We got this thing going. Okay, we're finna put some pressure on you. And the Cowboys, everything seemed like a struggle. They convert third and one. That's good. So you got a first down. And now it's, uh, once again, you're moving slowly. It's third and one again. First drive of the third quarter. Here's what went down. Big drop for Prescott. Pressure up the middle. He is dropped. That pressure gets home for Buffalo. Yeah, we mentioned it now, and Dak hits his top foot. There's just nowhere to go with the. Now I got to tell y'all, I didn't like that call. And I'm not a dude that moans and groans about calls a lot. I just didn't like that. It was like third and one. It Just go run the ball and get the first down, man. I know it's a little more difficult than that, but this was a deep drop. This wasn't a, a three-step drop, get rid of the ball. This was a deep drop. It's like, why are you doing that, given that you ain't really moved the ball, your passing game's been raggedy? Just get the first down and try to get something going. Instead, man, it's fourth and 11. You punt the ball. Buffalo drives for a field goal to make it 24-3. Uh and, uh, you know, it's uh, to me, it's essentially over at that point. <laughs> and it wasn't too much. One drive into the fourth quarter is 31-3 Buffalo. Uh, Josh Allen is done for the day. And uh, the Bills fans 
uh, blowing my eardrums out singing the Bills uh, Buffalo Make You Wanna Shout song. So that was it. Um, 31 uh, 10 Dallas butt kicking. Uh, did you like that call? You didn't like that call? You didn't care? Um, I didn't really care at that point because the Cowboys kind of a, they kind of a rhythm team. Once, once they get into the rhythm of what they do, they pretty good. But if you can disrupt that rhythm because the Cardinals was in too high and the Cowboys refused to run the ball. And then when they did, like you pointed out earlier, when they did run the ball, all those stupid penalties came up. This was the t- this was the game to where okay Buffalo you gonna run it we can run it you stay too high we stay too high you, you know what everybody gonna run it because the safeties are back and the Cowboys tried to do that but they stepped on their foot every time they did it right and uh, it, it it almost didn't matter you know with so many missed opportunities um, there was a lot of traffic that's why you didn't see Jake Ferguson catch a lot of balls I would like I said I would like to see what kind of zone they was playing and the things they was doing. Because I think all the whole game that Dak was waiting for the safety to drop us, the safety to give him some kind of indicator for him to go deep. Because yeah. he was looking deep. He was looking deep to short. That's why he was right. throwing those check downs, getting Tony Pollard killed. Because once you look <laughs> deep so many times or so long that, uh, you know, the check down's going to get covered. You know, everything's down. And here, here, the guy sees the check down standing there, and Tony Pollard got blew up about two or three times catching that thing. So that's kind of my thoughts is that they was off they was off schedule, out of rhythm, whatever you want to call it. The game got sped up on them because Buffalo was running that thing. That game that game was under three hours. That's how yeah. long that's how much Buffalo ran the ball. Yeah, it was a short I mean it felt like a quick game. And then, you know, I looked up at one point, I'm like, dang, the game is like halftime is here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's too bad you get to see the first quarter because forty eight yards rushing in the first quarter was a masterpiece on beating somebody up. And uh, one more thing I want to say is that I'm, 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 I was thinking what Ty was thinking. I think I said earlier in the year that if you, you got to get Micah off the line on first and second down. I don't think Micah is that good at setting the edge because he's 240 pounds. And, and they, he not, you know what I'm saying? Once they get their hands on him, it's a problem. And the pass right. rush is a little different because you're moving already. Because Mike is strong, but I don't know if he's that good at setting the edge. I would put Sam Williams, Dorrance Armstrong, or Sam Williams in, in tank, or Dorrance Armstrong in tank on first down in, in the defense. That might be able to put, put Micah back at some linebacker. That might be how you fix it. I don't know. That's what I'm mm-hmm. thinking. Well, we uh, clearly they're going to have to do something. Yeah. Uh, well, Dan Quinn's a good defensive coordinator. Yeah. We'll see what adjustment he makes. Uh, but uh, he's going to have to make one, and he's going to have to make one quick because Miami will run it up your butt. Yeah. If uh, and they'll keep running it if you don't stop it. Uh, that's a that's a terrific offense, and I think uh, and, and we'll get into this. Both of them guys fast too. Most Mostert yeah. and, and A Chain are super super quick. Uh, big before we leave this, you know, Cowboys missed twelve tackles according to Dan Quinn. The most that they miss in San Francisco. This is another game you have to tackle because if you don't, the cats will take it to the house on you. Yeah. Now, let's take a little trip around the block, bro. Uh, do you like to play pool? No, nah, I'm a terrible pool player. I played a lot in college and I lost every game. How about that? <laughs> 
Well, I played a uh, uh, young lady I was dating, uh, reintroduced me to pool, and we used to play pool all the time. And then um, uh, I remember when I dropped my son off of college at North Texas, I saw two pool tables in the common area. And at one point he came home and I said, hey, you playing any pool? He said, I play almost every night. I said, you any good? He said, I'm pretty good. So um, at my spot, we got a common, we got a pool table. It was very rarely used. And so we started playing on the regular, uh, meaning, you know, he rolled through for lunch or something. We probably play once a month. We always play best two out of three. Well, he had beaten me six straight games. Lord knows I have heard about those six straight victories. So we chilling in uh, Buffalo yesterday. My dad gets back from uh, work, and uh, he's like, uh, me and my dude are just eating, so we weren't trying to go out to eat. And uh, I was like, hey, on my way to work out today, yes, I worked out in Buffalo, I saw a pool hall. Let's go by there and play. So my dad said, yeah, cool. Then he, then, uh, he said, hey, now I haven't played probably in 30 years. <laughs> I said, great. Means better opportunity to win. So uh, we end up playing a, a series of round robin games, and uh, it took my dad about three games, man. But uh, he found a rhythm, and he actually beat my son because my son scratched on the eight ball. And then it was up to me and my father to play. Now check this out, though. You can only you have to picture this in your head. Okay, it's my turn to shoot. You know, I line, I, I go look at the ball, I line it up, takes, you know, 10 seconds, and I'm taking a shot. My dude, look at the ball, line up, takes, you know, take 10 seconds. My dad, man, that dude is, I called him, I, I told my dude, I said, hey, man, look at Tiger Woods over there. This dude is squatting and looking at shots from every angle, trying to figure out how to make the shot. He lining up to stick with the ball he wants to hit to see where to hit it on the angle. And uh, we started laughing until guess what happened? He started making shots, man. <laughs> I think y'all got hustled. That's what I think. You know, at one point, hey, dog, at one point, my dad banged it off the off the uh, right rail and banged it into the left into the po- center pocket on the left side. And I told my dude, I said, you know what, man? I think we're being hustled. Yep. <laughs> but uh, uh, make a long story short, I, uh, I beat my dad. And then I had a rematch with my son for the for the we called it the three generation, the Buffalo three generation pool championship. And uh, I made two really nice shots uh, before burying the eight ball to take my son off and and get the championship. And the whole point of this is it's uh, it's great when you can have those generational moments because uh, it's something I'm sure. Uh, my son will remember long after me and my dad are gone and uh, he's playing pool with his son and his grandson one day. Uh, but uh, those are the types of memories that, uh, you know, that I think are important to, to try to create and uh, forge. And, uh, you know, the best thing you can do, I think, is, uh, you know, not only when you love your kids or you love your parents, but you also like them because sometimes it's just your parents. Uh, so you're going to love them, but you don't always like them. So if you can get to the point where you love them and like them and you can have some fun and create some memories, um, I think that's always a beautiful thing. And so uh, it was a good time for me, good time for them. 
and a, uh, it's a good family time. So sometimes I think, man, we can get, at least for me, uh, you can get so caught up in work and doing what you're doing and providing and taking care of business that you forget uh, those moments are equally important to being a well-rounded person. So uh, it's a good time. And so that's really my way of saying, hey, if you got some time this holiday season because you're off, take advantage of it and uh, hang out with your kids a little bit, hang out with your parents, hang out with your relatives you're close to, and just uh, create some of those memories that will bring you some joy, you know, at some point down the road. Yeah, my mom was a championship pool, t- pool player. She was a Is that right? Tournament player, yeah, yeah. That's why I probably wasn't no good because we had a small pool table when I was a kid. Right. And I practiced on that, and I practiced enough to talk noise to her. <laughs> she, she lit you up? Oh, not only she lit me up, you think I can talk trash. It's hereditary. <laughs> I, she talks so much noise. You know, anybody that hears the sound of my voice to do my mom would know that, hey, she talked a lot of noise while we playing cards or pool or whatever. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So that was that was that was kind of it for me. Like you know, if you can't talk, uh, you don't talk unless you can back it up. But great memories, like you said. Uh, one of the things I like about pool is I'm like my dad in terms. Of, I really get off on the angles, yeah, and bank shots and stuff like that. And if I can successfully execute them, I really have a sense of joy and pride. And so uh, I actually ordered some pool sticks and what I want pool cues uh, that I use when I go play in my spot over here. Um, you just said pool. You just said pool sticks. And then I corrected myself yeah. as I'm looking at him in the corner. That's kind of saying magazines or clips, but all right. That's a lot about your game now. Yeah, but I, I'm to the point where I like a 20 ounce cue as opposed to a 21 or a 19, yeah, and I can tell the difference. Those sound like some cool sticks there. And uh, and uh, I want to uh, I want to play enough. Almost this summer, dog. I almost joined. A uh, a weekly pool tournament. I mean, pool league, because I would like to be good at it, uh, really good at it. Not great, but good. Um, and I, you know, and so uh, I would also like to be good enough to justify my own custom stick. Q. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would like to do that, uh, but I'm not. I'm not at the point where I can justify my own Q yet. But uh, it's coming. And hopefully maybe in a year or so I'll feel good enough about my game to show up at the pool hall with a little suitcase and take my thing out of there and uh, and put it together in front of everybody. And give me a glove. That's when you know you're a professional. When you got the little glove and the uh, and the cue with your name on it, that's when people are, are scared to play you. That's what I think anyway. That's how it happened. <laughs> that's what that's how it happened. Yeah, uh, that's but uh, you remind me of them guys at the range with the gloves and the shades and the, okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah, can't yeah. can't hit nothing. Can't hit the broad side of a barn with their ass. But all so right. so check this out, man. The best shot I made last night didn't even count for me. So my son freaked me out. This was this was several months ago when we really first started playing a lot with each other. He jumped the ball, mm-hmm. and so he hit the cue ball up under it. Jumped my ball that was in front of him, hit his ball, and it almost went in. It didn't go in. And I and I said, "Dog, what you doing?" <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know me, dog. I was like, "Yo, man, you try to why you do your old dad like that? What's up with that?" And he over there just laughing, talking about you funny, dad. You funny. So yesterday, now you know me, man. Anybody who really knows me knows 
If you do something like that, I'm, I'm finna go start adding that to my game. And so yesterday I had a shot uh, going to a corner pocket. My ball was right next to his ball, separated by his ball, if that makes sense to you. Two balls very close to the corner pocket, one mine, one his. But to get to mine, I had to get over his ball. And it wasn't a lot of good opportunities. I said, you know what? Maybe I can jump this thing and hit my ball. And so I did it. I jumped the ball, and it was perfect. I hit it just right, got up under it. It bounced right over his ball, which was solids. It was going straight, and duh, damn if it didn't knock his ball right into the corner pocket. And I was like, duh, this is the best shot I ever made, and it don't even count for me. I hope you're happy. I don't know how you sleep at night. But anyway, that was the end of my pool story. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about real quick, man, is... Did you uh, did you pay uh, any attention to the Texas high school state championships this weekend since we had so many local teams playing? No. Yeah, of course I paid attention. Go ahead. Well, I mean, well, I didn't ask that right. Did you watch them or did you just, I mean, let it. did you watch them? I watched a few. All right. Um, South Oak Cliff fell just a little short. In their uh, opportunity to win a state championship, lost 20 to 17 to Port Neches Grove, Wade Phillips uh, High School. Um, it was a good game. It was really good. Uh, Sock led pretty much the whole game, and they got beat on a um, perfectly executed surprise onside. And when you get beat by that, that man, I can't really complain. Uh, there was a couple controversial calls at the end. Um, and here's what I didn't like. Um, I saw a couple replays before I made a comment, and it looked like it was like a really bad call on the pass interference. But I saw another picture later that showed uh, where the cornerback from socket really grabbed the dude and pulled his had a good handful of jersey when he came out of his break. Then he quickly let it go, and that's why we didn't see it. But here's the thing I didn't like, man. And here's the thing you just have to do better about so these things don't come up. Well, based on what I've read, the referee who made the call is from, is from the, the Golden Triangle area down south. Well, you know, man, you, you, the way you eliminate some things is you just don't have referees who have any ties to any place uh, where the two teams are playing because you know what the turn, what the fallout is going to be if there's a controversial call. Uh, I wouldn't want to take anything away from PNG because they played a really good game. Sock played a really good game. Uh, they just didn't play as well on offense as they had been playing, and so they lost. Well, Coach Todd didn't complain about that. No, you know because, why? Because why? he, he could have checked that. You know, right? He if he thought it was going to come down to refereeing, he could have. You know, they got to agree on the refs. Right, you know, it should have been uh, it should have been holding is what the call. I don't think the ball was out right. when that boy was holding. It yeah, it should have been it been like you know five yard first first down penalty or something like that. But right, not uh, pass interference. But anyway, uh, uh, but Sock has a great story. Uh, I wrote a uh, piece on them in Anscape. Uh, you can find it online. I've retweeted a couple times. You go to Anscape dot com. Uh, DISD Dallas Independent School District uh, retweeted it so it's out there on Twitter it's easy to find but it's a really interesting look at uh, South Oak Cliff inside their program and and Jason Todd who has an amazing story himself I'm going to get just a little snippet Uh, whenever I do 
stories focused on black men uh, or coaches or players, I always like to ask them, hey, what kind of relationship you have with your dad? Because that's a big thing in the black community. Um, whatever kind of relationship you had with, with your dad, whether it was a great one, non-existent, somewhere in the middle, uh, because that can shape you a lot as a man. Roger that. And so I asked Jason, I go, hey, uh, what kind of relationship did you have with your dad? He said, I never met him. And let me tell you two things while, while I'm going down this road, because I think it's important. It's your responsibility as a journalist. So you say he, you never met him. Okay. Um, so where did you find, where, who were your male role models is my next question for him. And he says, oh, I had a great family. He says, my grandfather was Dr. Todd. I said, Dr. Todd, who was the principal of SOC for so many years? He said, yeah. I said, oh, that was your grandfather? He said, yeah, that's my granddad. And uh, my uncle is Michael Todd. He's a lawyer. I said, Michael Todd, the big time attorney in Dallas? He said, yeah, that's my uncle. My other uncle was a neurosurgeon, Frank, Frank Todd Jr. He said, so I had plenty of great role models. And so I tell my kids that they can't use that as a crutch. You just have to forge your own identity and carve out a niche in the world, in a place in the world for yourself. All right, but here's what I'm about to tell y'all. I spent at least a couple hours working on that story, and I just decided that as a journalist, as a black man, as a man writing a story about an inner city school, I was not going to start the story with Jason Todd never met his daddy. Why? To me, that's cliche. You read a story about a black school, oh, okay, it's all about he didn't know his daddy, blase, blase, blase. And so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what's another way I can approach this story that's good without talking about what people expect from the black community. Um, and so I started off with, uh, they were playing a string of pop music at their practice instead of what most people would assume they'd be playing some hip hop or some rap or whatever. And then midway through when I'm talking about Jason Todd and why he's a good coach, then I mentioned the fact that he didn't know his dad and all of that because I didn't want that to be the focal point and I didn't want the story to be a stereo, feel like a stereotypical story about an inner city school. And, uh, you know, as a journalist, as a black journalist, you have a certain responsibility, I think, to tell narratives in a, uh, in a way that's uh, uplifting and, sure. not, and that doesn't fit into stereotypes and doesn't allow people to just go, oh, this is just another, you know, blase, blase, blase. And so um, I was glad with the way the story turned out. And again, you can find it on Anscape.com or you can go to my Twitter, JJT Journalist. Uh, it's, it should be easy to find on Twitter or you can just Google it, South Oak Cliff and uh, Jean-Jacques Taylor, and it should pop up. I had to agree with – I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, I had to agree with that a thousand percent. You know, my dad was absent. Your, right. dad, your dad was there. But how do we end up in the same place? How we end up married with and fathers and, and, and great fathers? Because you got to look, you know. I, where I didn't have my dad, I had my grandpa. He was a he was a farmer, he was a veteran, and he was a great dad. Right. Somebody resembled that. Other than the farmer part, the veteran, <laughs> the veteran, and the great dad. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm right. saying. You got to look for role models, you know. And it is cliche that we don't. If your dad ain't there, well, one way or the other, by you being taught by your dad and me missing my dad, it made me want to be a great dad. You see what I'm yeah. saying? It's just the difference. So right. I just wanted to add that to it because I, I, no. I really agree with that. 
Now, the uh, one of the greatest uh, moments from this weekend for me uh, is that I walked downstairs and uh, my dude and my dad are engaged in this heavy conversation because uh, in my in a, uh, and the question was my dad was explaining to him all the different things you need to be aware of when you start in your own business. And when I walked in on the conversation, they were talking about setting the price and how do you know how to set a price for a particular product you have and how to compare it with other people so that you set the right price and mm-hmm. to achieve the profit margin. I mean, so they were having this deep con- – it was too deep for me, dog. I popped in. I said, oh, y'all talking about this? To myself, I turned around and left. <laughs> and when I came back about 15, 20 minutes later, they were wrapping it up. And you know what my son said, man? I was, I was just bursting with pride. Uh, my son calls my my his grandfather Abu, which I believe is the uh, Spanish term for uh, yeah. grandfather. grandfather. Yeah. Because my 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 dad said I'm too vain for somebody to call me Papa or Granddaddy, so he came up with Abu and blessed it with, and made the kids call him that. Yeah. Now Abu, that's what it is. Abu Abuela. Yes. His grandma. Yeah. Um. So he's and so he got up and left. He said Abu, thanks for the knowledge, and I was just like. That's a great moment right there, man. Uh, that he understood he was getting filled up with some information and that it was relevant to what he was trying to do. And then uh, to have the good manners to just say, hey, thank you for that time because you didn't have to give it to me, even though you're my grandfather. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, so that, that to me was a cool moment. Uh, moving on. Duncanville, dog. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't, whatever mojo... Galena Park had over them is gone because uh, they put that thing on uh, North Shore and that running back uh, who's going to LSU. Caden, uh, and I can't remember his name. I'm sorry, Caden. I'm trying to remember your name. He was he was the truth the other night, man. And uh, you know, me and my dude watching the game, and we all, you know, you always trying to say, okay, can he get to the next level? You know, was he good? And you know, he had a counterplay. It looked like something we used to run off of college football, dog. He took that step left, got that ball coming back right. The kickout blocks were great. It was a big lane there, and uh, once he hit it, once he hit on the, once he hit the turbo button, it was a wrap. He gone uh, seventy-seven yards down the sideline for a touchdown. But later is the run where I told my son, I was like, "That's a that's a nice touchdown run, man." But he didn't really do nothing but flash his speed. There's a lot of cats who can do that. But uh, it's Caden Durham. Later, he made a run that's about eight yards, man. But he outran somebody to the edge, shook off a tackle, made a quick cut up to the sideline, ran over another dude, and then dragged another dude about three or four yards before they brought him down. And I told my son, if I'm a scout, that's the run I look at and go, okay. We could do that thing. I mean, it's cool that you can go 90 yards with it, 70 yards with it. That's cool. But, you know, when you're playing big-time elite in the SEC, you're not going 80 to 90 yards on the regular most of the time. So I can't, I can't, I can't divide them plays up like that. Oh, I can't, man. No, that ain't – all right, then. I'm going to let you make it on that. I appreciate you. Yeah, because that uh, ain't no. – But the bottom line is he ran for 231 yards and three touchdowns. And Galena Park North Shore is a great program. They were ranked, I believe, number five in the country for whatever that's worth. They're a great program. They got a lot of D1s. Duncanville just kicked their ass, man. 
it wasn't really even close. And uh, I was impressed by that. You watch that game? No. No, I didn't. And then, to wrap up the weekend, is what DeSoto did to Humble Summer Creek. Did you watch that one? No. Final score, 74-14. I was just like, wow. Like, and to put it in perspective, I just told y'all Galena Park Northshaw was a great team, right? I just told y'all they were fifth in the nation, right? They played Summer Creek because they're in the same district. They beat Summer Creek 31-21. So let that marinate for just a second. The state 6A Division I runner-up beat the team in their district to win district 31-21. DeSoto beat that team 74-14. That was an amazing performance. They ran it. They threw it. All of their stars showed up. They scored once or twice on defense. I mean, it was an amazing performance, man. Uh, they're one of the – and they uh, Max Preps named them the top public school team in the country. And I don't think uh, – I don't really think there's much argument about it, man, because they beat Duncanville. Don't forget, they beat Duncanville 49-35. Um, and if you play Texas high school football, you wanted and you're the state champion in public school. You won the best in the country. They, I don't think there's any doubt that they might just be the best in the country this year, public school, despite whatever uh, Max Prep said, because they have crushed everybody this year. Uh, two championships in a row for DeSoto, two in a row for Duncanville. Sox reign ends at two. Uh, the most interesting that came out from that. Is your boy uh, Reginald Samples, the head coach at uh, Duncanville, said he's coming back for one at least one more year because how about this? He don't want to think he don't want Galena Park to think that they he gonna retire with them up three two with an edge and state championships over him. How about that, bro? You gotta feel some. Where was he thinking about going? Was he going to uh, HBCU or something like that? No, when? No, I'm saying one of them coaches was talking about going somewhere like that. I don't know. I missed that one. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Reginald Samples, congratulations. Uh, Claude Mathis, who uh, coached my son, uh, congratulations at DeSoto. And uh, it was a terrific weekend for DFW in high school football. I wish Sock could have pulled it out. But, you know, you lose 20-17 to 17 in a well-played state championship game, man. You know, to a team that, that you beat last year. So they had a little something for you, a little motivation, a little edge. And again, Sock didn't play his best offensive game, and uh, it, it hurt him uh, in this particular game. So uh, that's it for a little trip around the block. Now let's take a quick look, my man, at the uh, NFC. Uh, the NFC is a little jumbled right now, though. And here's the thing that I don't think anybody has considered. This just your boy, and I ain't breaking no news here. We have spent so much time talking about what, man? Dallas, Philadelphia, San Francisco. That's what we talk about. Uh, Who's going to be the two seed? Look like Philadelphia going to be the two seed. They got the division, blase, blase, blase. Hey, dog. The Detroit Lions, man, are 10-4, and four, just like the Dallas Cowboys, just like the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Detroit Lions um, schedule – 
the next three weeks is uh, Minnesota, Dallas, Minnesota. Um, they got a chance to get that second seed. Uh, one, the Vikings are seven and seven. They can't win the division, although they're fighting for a playoff spot, so they have incentive. Uh, they play a style that is conducive to beating the Cowboys. Their problem is they got to come to Dallas where we know the Cowboys are the uh, NFL's undefeated, only undefeated home team, and they play like Super Bowl champs at the crib. Um, and so it's going to be hard for Detroit to win that game. But Detroit has got a shot, man, to take that second seed. Um, San Francisco's at 11-3. and three. I think the road to the Super Bowl goes through San Francisco. Um, do, are there any of those other teams, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, you think that can provide issues for any of those top four in the conference? Tampa Bay, maybe. They get hot because Baker is playing well. Um, still got uh, – Yeah, they done uh, won three in a row. Still got Mike Evans out there doing his thing. You know, the offense looks pretty good. They, they all right. They're not – they shuffling things around on defense. Yeah, they got uh, they got Jacksonville, New Orleans, and Carolina. Yeah, yeah, I think Tampa Bay can make some noise just because they're kind of under the radar. If and, they uh, can beat uh, if they can beat Jacksonville this week, they're gonna end up probably. Well, then they got New Orleans. That's probably the game for the uh, division for the NFC South. Um, so they got a chance to finish ten and seven uh, and host uh, you know the Cowboys probably. Or Philadelphia, whoever doesn't win the East. Uh, the Rams have been making a move lately. Seattle. Uh, so there's some tricky teams there. Like the Rams have suddenly won four out of five. They got the Saints, the Giants, and the Niners in week 17. But the Niners might not have nothing to play for that game. Uh, and so there's a scenario where they could, if they can beat the, if they can beat the Saints this week, dog, they can win them last three and they can go 10 and seven. So, it's a, it's a lot out there. The NFC is very jumbled. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. But uh, it starts with Dallas and Philadelphia to me. One of them has to, you know, the, the Eagles had the best schedule. They got the Giants, the Cardinals, the Giants. They got the best schedule. Um, Cowboys still have a difficult schedule with um, Miami, Detroit, and then Washington. Uh but to me, it's whoever plays the best. And right now, Philadelphia is swooning. Dallas coming off a butt kicking. Uh, they got Miami this week. Uh, it would be great if they could. I mean, I'm not just saying this, but uh, what it would do for them coming off this loss if they go to Miami, figure out a way to win. Uh, that could get them right, and that could be enough momentum for them to go in the playoffs feeling really good about themselves and make some noise. Well, we talk about all the time the Cowboys got to run their race. Yeah, All right. In Philadelphia, it might be rats on a sinking ship. Over, <laughs> oh, they, they done lost three in a row. Right, right. And man, what we talk about the cure for winning, the cure for you know, the cure for all your L's on the team is winning. Right. And so they lost three in a row. It's people fighting over there, and people talking about other stuff, and your boy talking about commitment and all of that other stuff. Jalen Hurst don't want to shake nobody's hand after the game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is stuff going yeah, on bro. over there. So those last three games that they got with easy teams, they don't look so easy when you're fighting each other. 
Nah, so, true words you know, have never been spoken. You know, they could lose. And I mean, three in a row. You always kind of wonder how the team going to react after they got their butt kicked by. After you get your butt kicked by San Francisco like that, how you going to react? Yeah. The Cowboys kind of, their schedule kind of eased up and they came through it. Right. And the Niners, not so much. So, I mean, no, I mean, the Eagles, not so much. So, we'll see. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a hell of a ride these last three weeks. That's why the NFL is the best soap opera on TV. Uh, it's live, baby. If you can't predict it, you got to watch it and see how it goes. Uh, we always appreciate our friends at Greening Law for making all of this possible. Uh, don't forget, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, and the Making of Men. You want an autographed copy? Hit me up, Jacques at com. We can still get it to you by Christmas. And then uh, follow me on Twitter. JJT Journalist I am Jean-Jacques Taylor is the handle uh, Until we speak again Until we chat again I told y'all I was getting goofy Big Joe and the Big Rig uh, We always appreciate his help He doesn't get enough love uh, For all the things that he does So I appreciate you man Wow And uh, <laughs> I know he like Dang Compliments from this 12 letter cuss word uh, Alrighty then No I get you I'll uh, I, I talk to you when we done Uh, Until we chat again, you guys be blessed. And don't forget, review, rate us, and subscribe. Okay, I'm sleeping now officially. Until we talk again, y'all be blessed. I'm out.